Hey listeners, welcome to the St. Andrew's CMR podcast. This podcast is in collaboration with students and staff at the University of St. Andrews. At the Center for Minorities Research, we explore the complexities, challenges, and opportunities, continuities and discontinuities, unity and rupture of the everyday lives of minorities in Scotland and beyond. My name is Monar Kawasmi and I'm a PhD student in social anthropology at the University of St. Andrews. Our topic of discussion in this episode is queer organizing and activism in Palestine. And for the CMR podcast episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Hanin Maiki, um, who is a queer feminist organizer and co-founder and former director of Al-Qaus for Sexual and Gender Diversity in the Palestinian Society. Um, Hanin, would you please begin with introducing yourself? Hi, Manar. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Hanin. I've been uh, involved in um, queer organizing uh, for two decades almost. Um, I'm coming from like a community uh, community work kind of community organizing background, um, my education too. And in the age of 23, with like amazing friends from uh, Jerusalem specifically, we created like Al-Qaus, which is uh, the LGBT queer Palestinian grassroots uh, movement. Um, 43, based in Jerusalem, um, originally from the Galilee. And that's it. That's amazing. And you worked two decades in queer organizing. I'm close now, you know, I started my like fourth decade now. I'm like, yeah, I was 23. Oh, that's amazing. And um, what like, what got you into this work? Uh, um, I, I, I have no like, you know, organized answer about like this. Mm. I think kind of a destiny and also like um, self-interest of like exploring who I am. Uh, I was a young organizer, like uh, moved from the Galilee to Jerusalem, met with some friends, sexuality became like an issue, you know. Um, and also the second intifada uh, burst like in, in 2000. So some of like the really fundamental uh, identities of who I am, which is like queer and Palestinian, like really exploded in like a one year together. So I think that like experience and like having this, you know, a lot of people critique Al-Qaus about like uh, focusing on anti-colonial, uh, neglecting patriarchy and homophobia. But actually, if you live in a colonial kind of a context, these two things you cannot separate, right? Like it's, um, you cannot tell when patriarchy starts and colonialism. And I think back then that was our experience. We will meet as like queer questioning, uh, you know, stupid young kind of uh, exploring kind of uh, youth. To being stopped by soldier, by Zionist soldier, like uh, outside the meeting room. So both of these experiences was really like kind of fundamental and like crucial in that like a year. And I think that what brought me personally and also um, an Al-Qaus to start like exploring uh, the question of like what that means to be queer in Palestine. What that mean to be queer in Palestine now in this like kind of context, right? Do we need like now to just like hide in a bubble and just like clap to ourselves, like being queer, right? Or we want to really explore an honest question, like what is this and how we can live here, right? Like what mm-hmm. kind of a 
analysis, framework, experiences, uh, other like allies, people who could like really complete this picture for us. And so you think um, that countering colonialism goes hand in hand with countering homophobia and patriarchy? Yeah, yani, uh, leave your house and you, and both are like, you know, present all the time and like um, in public transportation and like organizing in Palestine and like, I don't know, going to the veggie place, like, you know, like uh, receiving homophobic like remarks or like even um, um, uh, patriarchal like violence or, you know, I'm, I'm also a woman uh, existing in this like space. So yeah, I don't think uh, Palestinian queers, and we knew that like uh, two decades ago, now it's a popular thing, right? Like to mm-hmm. say these things. Um, we didn't think we have the privilege of like separating these two issues, right? Uh, and I think that is crucial. It's not like a discourse. That's not like um, a fancy analysis that we are playing with, right? These are like, realities of people's life, right? Mm-hmm. Of queers who, yeah they wake up and and see all of these like network of violence like uh, our forces like um abusing them or and and i think these the question of what is the root of the situation we are living in mm-hmm. and including settler colonialism that knowledge is part of liberation you know when you understand how sexual violence, gender violence, patriarchy and homophobia and colonialism and capitalism, how they interact with each other and create this reality that's supposedly trapping you, right? But also analyze this and engage with it and like fight it and confront it. It's a lot of comfort, right? And a lot of like liberation for a lot of us as individuals who chose to live in this like some would say fucked up place, right? <laughs> and do you, do you think this is unique to the Palestinian situation? I think it's unique to any colonized, um, I don't know, context. Like I think uh, settler colonialism in Palestine is very specific and very unique, but a lot of like societies who's, who were colonized, still colonized, you know, uh, these issues are, uh, we share this like common knowledge of, you know, lived experience of how you cannot separate these like issues mm-hmm. together, how anti-colonial analysis and how decolonial praxis actually of like how you choose you to live your life as a movement and as a queer individuals and as a community is crucial to your liberation, right? We Because we talk a lot about like anti-colonial and homophobia and patriarchy, that's something we fight for the future. But that's not true in my opinion. It's like how you choose to live your life. That means how you choose to build relationships inside the movement, um, how you choose to define your like struggle and the problem you are fighting, how you choose to fight this, right? And with whom and how, and this kind of being, this is how, how I think decolonial and liberation um, means, right? Like it's not about in 10 years, and I keep like getting this question, is like actually about now. And um, in, in this regard, you talk about um, a concept, um, or it's talked about concept, um, which is pinkwashing. Um, yes. Can you please tell us a little about pinkwashing? Um, yeah, pinkwashing, it's not a new kind of um, term, concept, strategy, uh, whatever you wanna like um, uh, define it. Uh, pinkwashing originally is a strategy 
developed by the Israeli uh, Zionist government uh, with the complicity with uh, LGBT and queer Israeli Zionist organizations. So it's not only a governmental for outside, it's really like um, kind of a whole system participating in this pinkwashing. And it's it's simple because it's based on a racist kind of assumption. First of all, on a colonized myth uh, that Israel is a safe haven for uh, Palestinian queers and LGBT uh, people living in Palestine. And the second part of pinkwashing is basically saying that Palestinian society uh, suffers from this rooted illness of uh, of homophobia, right? We are killing our gays. Uh, we are rejecting our gays as a society, right? That's like the simple racist. Uh, we go in Al-Qaus in a lot deep analysis of like how this um, strategy is successful in the West mm-hmm. and how it relies on Islamophobic and anti-Arab, right? And imperial kind of assumptions of who these like kind of East queers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's like is easily defined kind of pinkwashing. Mm-hmm. And Israel is using it as like an uh, international propaganda. They're asking uh, international uh, queers basically to divert their attention from uh, their colonial power and war crimes, right? To just like say, hey, we love the gays. So you should just like uh, support us and leave and hate the Palestinians or not supporting them. Recently, and and that took a lot of like uh, years to, um, we had a lot of like um, uh, boycott campaigns, a lot of like international solidarity with pinkwashing. Al-Qaw since 2015, when we started to look inside more and inwards and like really explore what that means for us, right? Pinkwashing, because we, we, we see it in our community. It's not only an international campaign toward the outside, but it's also actually a, uh, colonial violence toward us and toward our society, right? So, so it's directed towards us as well. I think area. first and foremost is directed for us. Mm-hmm. Like colonial violence is like aims to uh, erase us, right? Uh, fragment us. And these like strategies also are used in pinkwashing, right? Like what pinkwashing basically is saying, is saying to queer Palestinian youth, you have no future. There is no, pro- there is no cause and or other progressive forces in Palestinian society. Your family and your mom and your whole neighborhood and village want to kill you and hate you. So we, our colonizer, could save you. So how fucked up is that, right? The mm-hmm. contradiction, the violence, the fragmentation. And I think that is the immediate violence. Al-Qaus, um, five years ago, we understood that the only or the most sustainable kind efficient strategy to fight pinkwashing is not to doing boycott campaigns, but rather outreach to youth, right? And build spaces for self-determination, for really dealing with, with building um, community support for each other. Because like when our family reject us, we could uh, support each other, right? And not, so these like kind of a simple kind of strategy is like our answer of like how we understand like pinkwashing working inwards, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for Al-Qaus and for a lot of queer Palestinians, that what should be uh, most important for us, right? Like how yeah. we combat like pinkwashing, not only outside as an international campaign, but also inside and really be strategic about it and 
because we don't have the money they have or the resources. We should, we should like our 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 anti-pain coaching is value oriented. It's community based. It's grassroots, right? It's like a, a mutual aid kind of a, a, a values that we are gonna now insert in, inside the community, and we always had. And as you said, in colonialism, uh, the colon um, the colonial forces always come to people to the indigenous people who live in these spaces and tell them that they are here to liberate them, to make them better, um, to help in their progress, when actually they're doing the opposite. They're actually perpetrating more violence. They created a reality that what they are like uh, calling for is impossible, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, See the myth of refugees, right? That Israel gives um, refugees to Palestinian queers. So like the, even the logic of that myth that a lot of like liberal white uh, queers will repeat. Like how an institution, a Zionist institution that is built on making refugees, right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly, because it's queer kind of friendly new face is giving refugee to the same refugee they made, right? Like Mm -hmm. how how horrible is that? And like how we could like easily repeat this myth. And also Israel has a lot of like uh, multi like kind of colonial laws that prevent any Palestinian from uh, having any status in in, in, in Palestine, right? Uh, for the emergency and citizenship, like kind of emergency law that been renewed now newly, again, not newly, and again for like uh, years and years. So these realities, you know, like this is how you know it's propaganda because the reality is just like a something complete opposite. And, yeah. and if you respond to propaganda, there's something wrong with you. And it's like it's like showing that um, Israel is kind of the queer space in a region, um, given that image of it being like the queer friendly country in the region um, and kind of um, uh, covering a lot of the different violent politics that it does in the yeah. region. Yeah. So do you think that's that this uh, countering and countering colonialism is very important to the work of Al-Qaus in general? And do, do you think it's important for um, queer political organizing everywhere as well to look at politics instead of just being apolitical? Or do you think that no queer organizing is apolitical anyways? I, I really don't relate to this debate. Like I always like think about like how you could be apolitical, like who could afford that, right? Like it just, uh, you know, it just, <laughs> it's just like you leave your house it's political. You stay with yourself. It's political, right? Like uh, I think uh, people really reductionist about like the use of like uh, uh, political. I, I'm I'm not sure how you could ignore um, power relation in any group. You know, like the small politics to the bigger politics, right? Uh, how you build strong communities that really understand it and like reflect on it, right? Mm-hmm. And and also as a as a movement or as an organization that you don't have any opinion about like what's happening around you, I really like, truly don't don't get how it's really possible. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's 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 not a tariff. It's not a um, a, a privilege. To, yeah, luxury. It's not um, like who how I exist in this like universe. Uh, in this body, in this like soul, I don't know. It's all political. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even like, uh, I need the anti-colonial um, reality of um, in in Palestine brings a lot of insight about like how much it's not a privilege to 
to do that. And I don't think um, identity politics alone, uh, being LGBT organization that working on our LGBT needs. I know we have specific needs, there are specific realities that, and experiences we deal with. I don't think identity politics is enough. Mm -hmm. I don't think identity politics is right. Um, because then it's easily me and the Zionist gay soldier on the checkpoint have more in common than my like neighbor in Shafat in Jerusalem. And that's actually not true, you know? Um, so I think identity politics, uh, organizations that are based only on identity politics and not on intersectional kind of like analysis and politics is just empty organization. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's good, exactly. Um, so you do suggest, you do see that it's better to step out of just looking at identity politics and actually look at intersectionality and look at actual politics, what's happening on the ground as means yeah, to find... It's choosing to be blind or not blind, you know? Like, uh, it's just like, uh, I have no, uh, you know, we are in 2021, I have zero tolerance to ignorance, but I don't think... Uh, especially with, uh, we have, you know, um, in the region, we have a lot of like LGBT um, flourishing kind of uh, organization and communities. And, and I, since 2009, I was worried about like how also not, you know, taking the experience of fighting colonialism in Palestine to fighting imperialism in general in like the, uh, the Middle East and like MENA region or like Al-Manatik uh, Al-Nataka al Arabiya. I don't know what's the PC politically correct like uh, word today, uh, but you could see the intervention of a lot of like embassies, um, imperial US-based organization who have uh, uh, an international programs. You could see a lot of LGBT uh, Arab uh, um, going and working in these organizations, right? Um, and I don't think uh, really like if you um, it, if you want to build a career as a, um, a professional queer, that's cool, you can do that, whatever. Uh, but I think to build like real movements, local context and, you know, local experience and knowledge and even theorizing from the ground um, and building these strong relationship and changing reality from that like place is the only way to make any sustainable change. And I've seen that Al-Qaus was involved in the latest events in Palestine and Israel. Um, Al-Qaus was always involved in, in, in all of the events in, in Palestine through recent years. I think uh, the political um, events in Palestine accompany Al-Qaus like uh, process uh, since the second intifada, right? Um, and that's like really central for us. And I think you know, it's a it's a good question because I keep reflecting on what happened in Palestine in the last uh, couple of months, mm -hmm. and and how Al Qaus actually was a political educational uh, project, right? All of these years, we actually gave youth uh, power, knowledge uh, about the reality, right? So just stepping into really engaging in what's happening in the streets of, uh, of Palestine or the street in, in Palestine, that was like a natural move. And the visibility of queer and LGBT activists in the streets were like astonishing to me. But then no, we, we actually really invested in building our 
knowledge or uh, who, really dealing with the question of who we are, how we are part of this tech society despite everything, right? Despite the difficulties, the challenges, the homophobia, the patriarchy. Um, and we were able in the last like 20 years, in my opinion, to bring um, powerless group uh, from the margin to a leading kind of a social movement and political movement uh, that leading discourse to, right? And political analysis. Now the political analysis of Holocaust, the anti-colonial, decolonial, that's the mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I received a lot of like phone calls from a lot of youth saying, you know, I spent 10 years asking myself if it was worth it, what we were doing. And now I know, right? Mm -hmm. I spent years uh, debating with myself how anti-colonial analysis will help us. Now I understand, you know, like, and that's that's change. When like thing that you really dealt with as a question, something make it sink in your like heart, mind, and soul, right? Mm -hmm. So now anti-colonial analysis stopped being this annoying thing that Al Qaus is bringing to teach everyone, right? It became oh, wow, the reality, it's like, it's how we should live our life, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really proud about like insisting in, because you know, anti-colonial uh, analysis and practice always accused to be impractical. These are the purest, who's like the dreamer, right? Mm -hmm. The radical, they are not really involved in anything. No, we are the mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, we are the leading, not we as queers or as al -Khaus. This like uh, the people who believe anti-colonial queer kind of um, vision to Palestine, right? Mm -hmm. Human vision to Palestine. We all know it's like the only way to go, right? Mm -hmm. it's, like, uh, it's what's next. Uh, and I really like uh, see a lot of people talk about like Palestine receiving emails now. If something is not using, using like settler colonialism, I skip. That's not now Hanin the annoying or Al-Khaus the too radical. That's how Palestine determined how it will be described, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't want to admit and engage with settler colonialism in Palestine, go home. You're mm -hmm. not my ally, you're not my friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what the unity intifada and father of unity like did to, to, to Palestine to, and to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. It's like decades of fragmentation and convincing us that we are not one kind of people doesn't work anymore. And did you see that on the ground? Did you see like people coming together um, in support or in solidarity with the latest events? Uh, you mean globally? I mean like, yeah, like globally, locally, did, did um, for example, did um, queer people in Palestine feel involved in the struggle, for example, and um, did they participate with the people and were the people okay with that? Yeah, people like in the street, um, you know, uh, our intervention was like, our role in, um, in this intifada was as a movement. Um, and I keep repeating it because it's really tricky. Is like how Al-Qaus, could give space for queer youth to participate in the intifada, you know? Yeah. That's simple. We are like, we need to facilitate, we need to support, we need to give space, even like having local communities meeting all over Palestine to talk about, you know, 
oh, wow, I was in the street in a demonstration. I faced this and that, right? Um, I went to a demonstration. All of them are queer. It's insane, right? All of these experiences. I went to a demonstration and someone called me, bullied me, right? Because I'm queer. The good, the positive, the negative, it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know, it's about the reality of I was part of something big that is happening. And I also have a space, which is a house and the local uh, uh, groups that I can go and reflect why I felt like that, how, how I could continue being part, right? How I could improve the space to be safer, uh, how I could challenge patriarchy, how I could uh, connect to people who's like so far of who I am supposedly, right? Um, how I'm like so happy with this like new relationship that I didn't expect uh, to build because I'm all, all of my life I was queer and kind of hiding, right? All of this like beautiful like discoveries and like the opportunity to explore further who we are as individuals and as a group. I think that's what Al-Qaus really like did. And I think it's beautiful. And I think this is the most needed you know, sometimes it's the simplest things that we should do. Just give space for people to come together and reflect on something amazing they're going through. Even if it's like negative or positive, it doesn't matter, you know? You should reflect all the time and come together. That's like the two principles we have been using in our, a lot of in our like community work. And is, is the community work kind of like the activities, are they based on the, based on um, offering a space for people to discuss issues? Um, and mm-hmm. Like even now we have uh, next week, I think, uh, an online, um, because, you know, Al-Qaus is a grassroots organization. So we have like this like structure of having groups in five different locations, mm-hmm. what we call local groups. And we have the national leadership that have more, more than 100, people that that means it's a huge organization mm-hmm. and and then we have a lot of like other circles and and while in the last two months we opened spaces for the national leadership and a lot of local uh, leadership to come together so now we are moving to online and opening it to queers uh, palestinians who want to just reflect of like what happened in the last two months right mm-hmm. Uh, how I'm gonna be inside this like um, uh, organizing next uh, as a, an individual queer. And I think that is like all the time expanding these like spaces, right? Like, uh, and I think online, hopefully we will have people as we COVID-19 with all of the horrible like uh, year we all live, gave this opportunity of really reaching out to a lot of people, you know, like the borders, uh, really open. So we have in our online workshops, people from Gaza, from Khalil, from the Galilee, from abroad, who's like, uh, you know, went to study or like uh, get asylum. I don't know, like really bring people together. And, and, and I think it's really important just like, you know, expand what is local and expand mm-hmm. this like grassroots work all the time. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's a lot of positivity in moving to online? So now, of course, for example, they're offering like online Zoom discussions, online Yeah, I think what, what we learned is, uh, you know, we all had this like, uh, oh my God, we are not meeting face-to-face, so we are going to go meet online and we all get tired from online, right? And we want to go to face-to-face. I think what COVID-19 uh, told us is that we cannot give up on online mm-hmm. because, because if we want to connect all the time, and I think 
in some funny way, Al-Qaus four years ago, we understood this because mm-hmm. Al-Qaus is the only Palestinian uh, national organization mm-hmm. and the only organization in Palestine that work in everywhere in Palestine, mm-hmm. right? So um, meeting online, like our staff is from all over Palestine. Mm-hmm. Our national leadership is at least from 50 different locations. Mm-hmm. So 40 years ago, this insight of like, oh, wow, we should move to an online platform so we can like be more efficient, right? Because mm-hmm. we cannot meet every time we want to meet. Yes. Uh, we don't have the resources, mm-hmm. not the personal, not the financial. And, and I think that insight um, made a lot of sense back then. Mm-hmm. So this is why also al was not that traumatized um, in COVID-19 mm-hmm. and our transition was really slow. Mm-hmm. Because we already had this transition from a different reasons. Mm-hmm. We want to fight fragmentation and colonial borders, and we want to meet and organize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a really interesting kind of a thing to experience. And as you said, because in the context of Palestine, um, people are fragmented in different political borders where people, as you said, they don't always have um, the means to meet each other in one place. It's not easy to travel. It's not easy to cross borders. And um, the Palestinian society is fragmented even like inside and outside. And moving online would actually can bring all these people together instead of just working on small groups in different places. You can actually work with a larger group and I think fighting uh, for colonial fragmentation was always one of the main goals of Al-Qaus. Like Al-Qaus is uh, one of few organizations that, you know, queers from uh, Naples hang out with queers from Jaffa. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not maybe physically, but we organize together. Like people from Ramallah and people from the Galilee, queers, they organize together, you know? Like, mm-hmm. even like things that happen location-wise in a specific place, Everyone is organizing for this. Mm-hmm. So building this like above kind of a colonial borders or like um, a movement that is like the dream in a way living the dream of liberation. That's what I mean about liberation, about really living the liberation you want. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's not, you know, I lived in my car for 20 years because that's like, you know, I had to be in everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a small price um, as someone who has the privilege of like the ability to move between colonial borders. Uh, that was the easy price to, uh, to pay. But I think bringing people together and hearing people saying, oh, wow, I never met someone from Nablus before. You know, mm-hmm. the only place I met someone from was al That's a common mm-hmm. experience that mm-hmm. you would hear generation after generation. Mm-hmm. So this is what I mean about, you know, being a political uh, educational project. Mm-hmm. Not only from like how much we lecture about anti-colonial, mm-hmm. it's actually about how you live and practice your anti-colonial, right? Mm-hmm. And this is part, so the COVID-19 actually was not that tough on Al-Qaus, as you said, or um, it's just that transition to online was not that hard. It's just that transition, because COVID was tough as well, yes. It was definitely tough. Um, I think the transition of like how organizationally we are gonna deal with it, um, and also how mentally we are used to moving uh, to working online and, you know, uh, that was the easy part, but we were uh, hard, 
broken, um, seeing all of the violence that like burst and like, you know, queers, women, that was like a hard time to live. I think we met um, tens of queers who were already in the, on the margins and were really pushed to homelessness, sex work, uh, really have no financial resources. I think that's what um, Al-Qaus dealt with in uh, COVID-19. Um, that's one thing. And the second thing is just this dynamic with, you know, having all of this like fear around COVID-19, but also being forced to live with your parents or have less space. I think these two things were like, um, uh, in a way, COVID-19 pushed us back to focus on community. Uh, and that was beautiful because like um, that transition was also easy because community was always central in Al-Qaus work, but we did it in a political way. Like we, you know, it wasn't like the marginalized and the homeless and the activists. It was something more harmonic. Uh, and I think people, I think COVID-19 left us all with, uh, no one is just, you know, apart from being so vulnerable, like uh, financially, psychologically. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that like brought us in a way, brought or centered other values and other practices that made it easy. Like I, like even how you hear it from other like people who needs your help, you know? Um, I remember this like guy, 17, he was like, I'm, I can't wait to finish this, like getting help from you so I can start helping other people, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like even receiving help was like perceived as political and was like imagined as a political kind of a future of like, if I get this help, I'm gonna help other people. And that's one interesting thing. And the second was like how the Zionist Israeli kind of racism in the system that helped these supposedly these people was so exposed. Like people would say, wow, they are racist. They are Zionist, you know? And, and that is different from five years ago when a lot of Palestinian queers from the West Bank would come to Tel Aviv. They would not say these things, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. This like how is visible these, like how it's just transparent all of this, like how colonialism worked even to 17 years old who just like came from the West Bank, right? It's not the fantasy of like, we are coming running to Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. I was forced to be here. I know who you are. I know who's our, my allies and I met Al-Qaus too, so I have a community. And that was like, I think, a new experience for me as someone who was involved at least 25 years in this movement. So you think this, like, there's a mass awareness that happened lately um, among the queer community in Palestine of yeah, realizing you know, that the pink Yeah, you go to phases that you see this like moments of like um, collective, expanding of the consciousness, right? Like uh, you have these moments, you know, uh, something happened and you may relate it to it directly or indirectly, it doesn't matter, but like this uh, privilege of like witnessing it, right? Mm -hmm. And harnessing it, right? Like, and really taking it to other places and, 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 and also teach people how to take from it and enjoy it, right? Like, uh, because it doesn't happen just randomly. People work to get to this collective like consciousness together, right? Thank you very much, Hanin. Um, um, would you like to say any, because uh, I don't want to take much of your time. Would you like to say any like um, conclusions or um, 
any um, suggestions um, to queer work um, in Palestine or like around the globe? What do you think is, is good for us to work on right now as queer community? I don't know. I think we are in a moment in history, at least uh, um, regarding uh, Palestine, that there is um, a lot of fundamental things changed. And I think uh, really uh, grabbing this like opportunity and really exploring how uh, intersectional kind of framework of our queer organizing, um, really centering, go back to our local context, building grassroots communities, really build societies. And um, that's what I always believed in. And I think it's more than relevant now. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much, Hanin. Um, you. for your time. For, thank you very much for your insights and for your time. Um, that was an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CMR podcast. For more information, visit the St. Andrews CMR website, Facebook, or Twitter. See you next time. Bye.